0: Our Sunday nights have been a uh, just a series of core teaching on, for, of classes for um, for our I would say core team or core group or just people that are very much involved and it's not exclusive uh, so anybody can come but I just thought that there I you know I wrote down I sat down and wrote about seven to ten different. Themes or issues that I find that uh, churches really stumble over. Uh, churches that I've been involved with, or have had the privilege to help start, plant, um, and you always see the same. You always see the same patterns because people are people. And um, you wouldn't be you would you'd be amazed at what destroys churches today. It's so sim- the, the simplest stuff. It's really unbelievable sometimes. So um, we started off with unity uh, a couple weeks ago when I got back from Europe, and uh, there is a um, teaching, and then there's the uh, the expository, and then a little exegesis in there. I don't know if it's pretty serious or not, but this is just kind of good for us to look at, uh, understand um, our unity uh, with each other as believers. Um, I was a little, I was just a little, uh, because, it's, you know, I've, I'm pastoring in the States, really, for the first time. Of all my life as a pastor, I've always pastored overseas. And so, you're dealing with a European mindset. Aggie, I have some here for you. Uh, you're dealing with the European mindset. You're dealing with a historical, cultural perspective. You're dealing with uh, liberalism. Just, you're not dealing... So, and then uh, and then now... And this is in no way. Can you hand this, to Aggie? Uh, this is in no way to um, complain, but it's it's um, pastoring in the states is the only way I can explain it. You ever see the game cricket? You Ever seen that game cricket? It looks like baseball, but it's not. Yeah. And it's the way it is sometimes with pastoring, I think in the states is that it's just, it, it's it, you got a bat, you got a ball, you got an umpire, <laughs> you got bases. You get, but it's, it's a little different, and, it's, it, I'm, and I love it. I, I enjoy it so much. But, um, so what I thought was, um, I just thought that, you know, this being week number three, I just thought what we can do is, is we can uh, maybe up through the summer we can take our Sunday nights and really have it more on core teaching on, on subjects that are very down-to-earth practical. And like the, what the Bible says about unity, what the Bible says about handling conflict. Um, believe it or not, uh, people don't handle conflict very well. Uh, we get defensive. We get um, very uh, self-conscious because people are very wounded. You know, we all, all of us in this room have some kind of a wound or wounds that we've carried. Um, hey, Tony, um, there's, I ran out of um, study sheets for you um, if you want to share with Carl here or something, these are actually just notes from the last two uh, so um, I just have to make some more. I wasn't expecting so many tonight, which is great. It's a great surprise <laughs> no I'm preaching right at you tonight, Aggie. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I am only kidding. The story behind that is is that what what had happened uh, I texted you i don't know oh, out of yeah. the blue i was I was going we were going to teaching on a subject or something yeah, and, yeah. and I it was about conflict yeah it was about conflict I, oh it was it conflict yeah yeah I texted yeah, you yeah, it was, it was, I texted yeah. you a, and then I uh, um, I said Ag-, this is the text Aggie we're going to have a special class on handling conflict tonight can, like, you <laughs> <today>? you <can't laughs> conflict? can you make he, it can you make it and house? I sent the text Would and you then you and it? then I, I had this you know post text <laughs> what do you call it post text regret or whatever you call it post and uh, I was like, "Ah!" Oh. And Aggie came in. I was like, "Aggie, it didn't really, didn't mean to have it sound like that." But so we have this running growth. We have this running joke now. But yeah. Uh, so I just thought what we could do tonight is um, talk about um, uh, talk about communication, and I think I will stand because I just have too many things here. Um, communication, tonight on communication, and then next week, next Sunday on understanding. Like just being a person of understanding and under understanding situations. Um, what was the word that we talked about a few weeks ago that a person that understands what they're looking at? What was the word? you remember? Somebody sees a situation. I'm asking you because I don't remember myself. <laughs> What's the word that we were talking about? A man of understanding. It's a um, discernment. discernment. Was that the word we were using? The principle being a person that is understanding what they're looking at. And so let's just start with a word of prayer and we can start. Uh, Don, uh, Ron, can you open us with prayer? Yeah. Father, thank you for this evening and we pray that you will open up our spirits and help us to understand and to know and to be fed your truths, your word, to the mm. building of your kingdom, Lord, and the body in Christ. And we just give all the glory to you in the name of yes. Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, when I'm when I'm doing this, I you know, I'm not doing this because um, uh, I'm not doing this because I feel that these are problems you know in our church. But what I see is is that sometimes when you don't have the preventive medicine, the de- diseases it's like a spiritual vaccination. We can talk about things before they come up, so when they come up, you're like, oh. Uh, because the Holy Spirit brings back the Word uh, right in time when it's needed. That's the standard that the Holy Spirit raises up in the time when the enemy comes in like a flood. And so um, I want us to be, if I could use the word professional, I I want us to be just professionally, or not to say, let's say proficient, spiritually proficient in understanding um, things when they come up, because the average Christian has no idea what warfare, spiritual warfare is, and... Um, we wake up, we just got to go about, we wake up, we go about our day with no understanding that we have an enemy that seeks to, to destroy us, and our only defense is the sword of the Spirit, right? The sword of the Spirit, which, by the way, the devil today wants to wants to make a church about anything but the Bible. <laughs> anything. And then the devil will just funnel money in that direction to that church. I'm not saying that churches that have money are from the devil. I'm just saying that God can bless, and then the devil can bless people. And so I just want to say that we want to be um, not ignorant of his devices, and we want to to have just very practical understanding. Uh, Another thing I want to say about this is that on some of these topics, you know, this is some pretty specific stuff, so we're probably going to hear stuff that's going to be like, wow, I don't measure up in that, I don't measure up in that. I don't measure, and, and I don't want this to be a condemning session because that's not what it's about. I just want us to—I want to I teach. I don't want us to look at ourselves in in a morbid, introspective way. I just want us—I want to I look at us in the way who we are in Christ, and I want to uh, look at our church as a not only as a place of worship and outreach, but also a place of just training and, and ed- education. And that's Ephesians four eleven. So. um So, skillfulness in communication, being a godly communicator. Um, The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, let's turn there, Ephesians 4, verse 29. Um, This is the classic greater grace verse. I think in greater grace we claim dibs on this verse. (laughs) I don't know if you can say that or not, but this is a verse that you hear a lot in our church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. And Paul is talking about communication, and it says here, let no corrupt word, and the Greek word for corrupt means a word that causes corruption, it's acidic, Um, it causes erosion. Um, There are some metals and some chemical compounds that when you mix it with metal, it's going to corrode metal, it's going to break it down, it's like putting a tooth in a in a can of Coke. You ever see that commercial? The tooth just slowly just, you know, it's like, it's like a cube of sugar inside of tea. It's like a slow process of just breaking it down and, and dissipating. And so it says, do not let any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers? And this is really Paul's heart and God's heart in our communication that whatever we say, another classic verse is Matthew 12, verse 36. Um, and actually these are verses that are coming to my mind as I'm, as I'm speaking. Uh, that every idle word that we speak will be, will be judged. What does that mean? There are corrupt words and idle words. Idle words are things that we say that have no purpose. No no purpose, no, no, um, no impact for the kingdom. It's just idle. It's just like a car that is idling in neutral. The power is there, but it's not going anywhere. It's a word that's just uh, frivolous, unnecessary, and that has the potential to be corrupt. Um, then Ephesians 4.29 is a verse that tells us that our communication is to be strategic, that everything that you and I say to each other and that we say to other people. And again, I'm not picking on us here. Um, I'm just saying that the communication that we have with people in the church, in the midst, in the in the day-to-day grind of things, you know, like we are working, and you know, it's like uh, we're doing something, or we're interacting, we're planning for something, and then our 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 communication would be for the edification, the building up, and so. Um, Nothing defines the amount of wisdom a person has or his level of spirituality more than how we communicate. Communication is everything, isn't it? If you're married or you've been married, then you know what I'm talking about. If you have close friends or family, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, we can we can build up or tear down with just a few words. And so words are really a a sign of where we are at um in our maturity, I can be, or we can be, I can be, let's just say I, I can be a very gifted person, maybe. I don't know, I can do a lot of great things. But if, if I, in the corner, treat a saint like a piece of trash, then I've really grieved the Holy Spirit. And that's First Corinthians chapter 13, isn't it? Charity is really everything, and charity is really our motive uh, we'll talk about this at the end, that uh, charity is the motive and the, and the factor that, that gives us successful communication, but whatever I do, I could have a gift to move a mountain, and I don't know anybody that can do that, but that's an amazing feat of levitation right there, and that, maybe that could happen, maybe somebody could do something like that, <clears throat> but if love is not in it, then it, it amounts on God's scale as like nothing, like you know, it's just, this is this is just you know, this is nothing. And so, communication. Um, I want to look at just a few cool verses with you. Proverbs chapter seventeen, and we can just turn the pages. There, Proverbs chapter seventeen. Proverbs is probably has the most to say about words. Proverbs and a few verses in Ecclesiastes, seventeen verse twenty-seven, and again. So many problems can happen in a church, or in a relationship, or with new people, I, because of unwise communication. Now, I've seen new people come, be a, be be here a little while, and then leave because someone says something to them. Uh, this is not—I'm not talking about something recent, but there was a situation before um, I was here. uh... Anyway, just it doesn't matter. New people can come, and someone who is maybe even a seasoned Christian is not thinking what they're saying to this new person. And this new person has very little capacity to understand really what's going on. And you have to be so wise. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 says, He who has knowledge spares his words, um, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he's considered perceptive. I heard a story today. It was a really cute story about an old oil tycoon back in the day. Um, I think it was in the 1800s. His name was Barnhouse. And he was really not a learned guy, uh, just kind of a simple Texan. I don't know. Are there simple Texans? (laughs) And he's just, you know, and... Uh, he had to go to Europe to do business, and so he's on a ship on his way to Europe. It's about a two, two and a half week uh, ride in the in the in the ship to Europe, and there was a Frenchman that was traveling with him. And this, uh, he would come to his table and sit down, and the Frenchman would would say to the Texan, "Bon appétit." The Texan would say, "Barnhouse," <laughs> meaning that he thought the Texan was asking what his name was, and so the the frenchman nodded and just ate his food and then it happened again the next night you know frenchman sits down says bon appétit to the to the oil tycoon and tycoon's like barnhouse but every time he would say it a little louder cuz he's wondering if the guy's getting what he's saying right and so it gets to a point where this happens like 5 or 6 times and so he mentions it to a friend and he goes yeah this guy just every time he sits down he he asks me what my name is and, and he goes. Well, that's he's. What does he say? He says, "Bon appétit." Well, that's not what he's saying. He's not asking you what your name is. He's just saying enjoy your food. And so the next night, the tycoon sits down. The Frenchman comes. The Frenchman sits down. He says, "Bon appétit." And what does the tycoon do? He stands up and he says in a loud voice, "Barnhouse." <laughs> and the story. The moral of the story is is that that this guy is not listening to what the frenchman is saying no matter even it was even if it was explained to him sometimes we can have things explained to us but we can be so wrapped up in in our perception of what's going on that we are responding the wrong way and that's the funny thing about that's the funny thing about communication i think a person that has a lot of information about a subject we if we ha- if i have a lot of information about a subject i like to kind of just be the first one to make a comment. you know uh, computer people are like that. I don't know if you know any computer geeks, but you know whenever you talk to a computer geek, you talk with them and you leave the conversation and you feel like a monkey or a Neanderthal man, because you feel like you have no idea what they're saying. And a person that has a lot of knowledge uh, is so quick to speak, and the Bible says here that he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. When we have knowledge and understanding there's a quietness in our soul that like Eli, Elihu Elihu was the last of the friend the friends of Job all of Job's friends had a lot to say to Job and then at the end Elihu being the youngest waited 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 and then he spoke and he really had the wisdom from God to speak and so understanding and knowledge can afford to wait and to to study to be quiet so Ecclesiastes 5 verse 2 and let's let's go there if you're taking notes or if you write in your Bible which I do I just this is like a chain these is a chain of verses that you can note Ecclesiastes 5 um, verse 2 be not rash but let's read verse one walk prudently when you go into the house of God and draw near to he, to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil what does that verse mean when when i go to church when i was living in baltimore and i would go to church service i mean i was not preaching very much at all hardly i was going there just attending listening even though i had pastored other churches and it was just time for me to listen and i just went to i was there and i went in and i had like this i had like this um little tradition that i would do i i park my car Drop my wife off. She'd go walk in, get seats, park my car, I'd walk across the big parking lot. And as I'm walking, I'm thinking of this verse, uh, Ecclesiastes five one. I'm like, God, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to make the sacrifice of fools and enter into Your house with a familiar spirit, noisy brain, um, uh, upset or 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 anxious. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to be, I'm going to study to be quiet because I don't want to do the sacrifice of a fool. What's a fool in the Bible? It just means a non-thinking individual, someone who's just not thinking. They're not using, they're not, like we said in the service this morning, they're not living with critical thinking about things. And verse 2, do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. A couple things here is that rashness of mouth comes from a spirit inside that's not quiet. We're not quiet. We're not calm. We're not at rest. We are upset. And we may not even know it, but we all have felt that drive to say something, to, to, to react, to speak out of. And I'm talking about all of us, every human being on this planet. There's no one here or anywhere that's any better than anyone else. We have all in some way been injured by the world system. And we have this compulsion to say something. Especially to someone who has really hurt us, or people that have really hurt us, and so rashness is when I stop thinking from the peace of God and I begin to communicate out of uh, an an unsettled heart. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. And what does that mean? It means that our heart is always talking. There's a there's a narrative that our heart it's it's a heart the heart doesn't sleep. It's the heart. If you could draw a picture of the heart and the relationship to the soul, and I don't, I wish I could do this, but from all the studies that I've done, the the soul has five parts: the the mind, the emotions, the will, the conscience, the um, the emotions, and then I would add one more part. I would add uh, the self image. The the and I don't know. Uh, I would say self-image, that's the self, the, the opinion of self. And that is like an image, a picture that a person has. The soul has its six roots embedded in the heart. Like if you can imagine a tree and it's all the roots of the tree are embedded in soil and they're growing in the soil of the heart. That heart is either the heart that is the new heart that God has given us in Ezekiel 36, 26, or it's the old heart that is the old un, uh, the old cold, hard, stony heart. And so, what could happen is, is that my heart can just be uttering things. And we all, we've all been in that. We're just, we're doing our day, you know, and we're kind of like in neutral right now with our minds. You know, we're just kind of washing the dishes, digging a hole, working. I don't know, driving on the highway and shopping, and we shift into neutral. And then our heart, our heart is speaking, and it could be complaining. It could be whining. It could be moody. It could be rejoicing in the Lord. It could be, uh, it could be um, pondering the wondrous miracles of God in your life. It could be pondering a lot of things. And what it says here is that let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. And what it's saying is, is, that, there is a, that God is in heaven and you are on the earth. And that, that talks about the fear of the Lord, like living in a sense of the fear of the Lord. Like it's good. For us to sit down, be quiet, and just understand how small we are—not to—not to degrade ourselves, but to understand that—that that like when Paul, when when God said to Saul, King Saul, uh, through Samuel, He said, "When you were small in your own eyes, you were great." <laughs> and so, it's good for us to get really small before God and say, "God, I I don't, God, I don't understand so much, and and who am I even to?" Uh, for you to even think on me, like, and I think it's Psalm eight, doesn't it? Say that that who who are who am I that you are mindful of me? This is a very good. The Quakers used to the Quakers used to have this thing. I don't know if you guys heard of it, but they used to call it heart work. I think is what they used to call it. It's like a um, the only thing I know about the Quakers, and I know about some great things they did historically in Philadelphia uh, during the. During back in the day, but uh, humbling ourselves before the Lord and just getting really small and thinking, like thinking in in, in real perspective that God is in heaven and I am on the earth. I am finite. I'm going to live a cent, uh, just a few years, and I'm going to just get small before God. And when we do that, we exercise our our uh, we exercise ourselves in lowliness. And that's not, this is different than humility. Humility is Different than lowliness. This is lowliness when, when I'm just lowering myself. Like you know, um, I don't know if you've ever been on a team and your coach kind of, you know, we get a little bit like, hey, you know, uh, why am I not up to bat? And you know, and and the coach kind of has his way of just kind of putting us in our place in a loving way that a coach can do. Getting like that with God, like letting God just put us in our place. And and when that happens, it says here, and let not your words be. Let your words be few. The key word there is is your words, my words. It doesn't mean that we have to walk around and not say anything as a Christian. This is a wrong interpretation of the verse. I've heard people say, "Well, you're too talkative. You talk too much." And it's like you got to obey Ecclesiastes five verse three or verse two. And it's um, it's my words, my human natural perspective of things, my opinions about things, and my thoughts, my emotions, and my self-centeredness, that needs to be very few. um, And that's actually uh, an interesting word in a sarcastic way. So that is Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. Um, Now I want to kind of get into um, the first part. The first part of this will be about just listening. And next week we're going to talk about understanding. So listening... At Proverbs 18, verse 13. Let's just go back there. Proverbs 18, verse 13. Um, he who answers a matter before he hears it is it is folly and shame to him. Um. Uh, have you ever done that? Have you ever answered something before someone has kind of finished their sentence and we, we all get out of bent out of shape and you're like, the person telling us, listen to me, <laughs> let me finish my statement. And then, and then you finish and then you're, oh, 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 okay, and now I understand. So this is what we really want to be careful, of, that we want to listen, that we want to really listen to people. I think that many Christians, especially when we evangelize, when we're counseling, we are not taking the time to listen to what a person is saying. What is the heartbeat behind, what's the cry of the heart behind the words? And when I counsel, when I, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, today I spoke with someone and I'm sitting there talking with them and, and I thought, what is the cry behind the words here? And, mm-hmm. and when we listen for that, then God, maybe we don't say a lot of things. There are many times during counseling sessions when I've said to someone, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say right now, I will pray with you. Let's talk again in a few days. Maybe God will speak. Because sometimes we feel like as counselors or as brothers and sisters that we have to say something immediately. Many times it's good for us to listen and then listen to God. And really listen and, 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 and say, God, this is what I think, but you tell me what you're thinking. And if we take the time God speaks, um, Proverbs 18, verse 2, or a little earlier in the chapter, it says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. Is another translation. It's a good. That's a good verse because I think that when it comes to communication, um, the biggest problem. I don't remember who said this. He said they. They said that the biggest problem in communication is when we think it's over. Now think about that for a second. You ever communicate with somebody and you think it's been resolved, but it's not resolved because we were not listening to what they were saying? Counseling is that's very important, like to listen to what's going on. And so an effective an effective person, leader or team member is someone who has learned the art of listening before speaking. A uh, man by the art, name of Arthur Robertson, founder and president of exec, Effective Communication and Development, I don't know who they are, but the statement's good, wrote a book, The Language of Effective Listening, based on the premise that effective, and this is a quote I wanted to hear, effective listening is the number one communication skill requisite to success in your professional and personal life. Number one skill. To have good a good impact. Sometimes I feel like when there's I'm in the middle of a situation that I have to swoop in, you know, swoop in and just tell everybody what to do. And that's the last thing that God needs is natural mindedness. God needs someone to listen to Him for 24 hours, 48 hours, or however long. And then God just says, I want you to stay out of it. I'm, gonna, I'm dealing with this. And that, is, that, that happened to me this year. And I was like, okay, you know what, God resolved it. And so listening to God, listening, our, the degree of ability to communicate will either create trust or create distrust in those that are around you it will either instill confidence or fear it will determine a large extent how eagerly people will be impacted by you or that will uh that will listen to you and so our speech is not neutral territory Do you know what that means um neutral territory uh we think that you know there are things that are neutral territory speech is not neutral there's Speech is going to do either one thing or the other. It's going to have, it's either from God or it's not from God. It's either uh, either I'm filled with the Spirit or I'm not filled with the Spirit. And many times I don't know, like, am I filled with the Spirit? I'm trusting God that I am. And so communication is not neutral territory, which means I can, we can't just put things out there and just, yes? I mean to interrupt you yeah. Mm-hmm. it's quick to listen or quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger now is that hearing, listening? I think the Greek word is akuo, I don't remember but and, one of and them and you have said we need to listen to God that mm-hmm. presumes that we need to have to hear God so yes, very good so, the, so uh, there's some basic kind of types those that Let's 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 use let's define let's let's pick one word because that's a good point and we've we've been using hearing and listening interchangeably for the same thing. Hearing is when there's the audible intake or I'm receiving something and then there is a mixing of some kind of intellectual or spiritual. Med- I'm meditating on it. I'm processing what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm letting these words, like Jesus said, sink down in my ears. That's hearing. Listening can be passive. It could be listening to music, listening to the cars go by. I can be hearing things, but not necessarily processing what I'm hearing. So let's use the word hearing. Like, let's use that word in what we're saying, like hearing, right? So, um, yeah, and if anyone has a question, you can just ask. This is not, you know. So. Um, God is a communicator. God loves to communicate. God knows how to communicate to us. And I think sometimes we, we don't understand the ability that God has to communicate to us. Sometimes we are seeking God's will, and we are kind of not so confident in God's ability to speak to us. For example, we could just be so bent out of shape about something in our life that what is God's will? What? and just spend hours and hours thinking about it. I've, yeah, I don't know if you've been there or not, but I have a tendency to overthink. Just overthink things. Just process them for just hours and just sit. I, the other day, I I just, I just was sitting there just processing, thinking something, and God knows how to communicate to us. God knows how to speak to us, and He knows how to get our attention. If God can knock Paul or Saul off his horse, an archenemy of the church at the time, the Hitler of the church at the time, knock him off his horse and within 10 minutes make him a chief apostle, I think God knows how to speak to us. And so we can really kind of relax a little bit in the sense that I'm so tense. I don't know what God's doing. Is this God's will or not? And, and it's like you know, the other day I was just thinking about that. And it's like, you know, I'm just gonna go make a cup of coffee and just go for a walk and pray, just relax because if God wants something to be done in my life, he's gonna do it. isn't that great? It's like you know why why do I have to strive because you know uh, and and it's that whole it's that whole principle about being uh, a lump of clay in his hands that we let he's shaping something, and the prophet. God is speaking to the prophet Jeremiah, and he says, "Does the clay say to the Father, "What are you making or to the potter? what are you making and so we can we can trust him in that and um and just understand the importance of listening. Do you know uh, Dr. James Lynch, a co director of the psycho well i can't even say it, psychophysiological clinic and laboratories at the University of Maryland, actually documented that when that when when a person is l- hearing listening, there is a process of healing in the cardiovascular system that's taking place. He's actually documented that, meaning that when a person is listening, the heart is actually in the he- in a healing process. Is that cool? Wow. And this is documented. This is something that can can you can look you can Google him, Dr. James Lynch. Uh, from University of Maryland, documents this. That uh, in another part of the study, he writes that that actually when we listen, our blood pressure actually goes down, and when we're speaking, our blood pressure is going up. So I think a lot of preachers and pastors have high blood pressure. <laughs> Hope not. But the world says you got to vent it out, you got to get it out, you got to tell somebody, you got to just scream it out. They actually have these. They have these actual centers for for teenagers to go and to scream, like these animalistic screams to get all their anger and everything out, and it's supposed to vent, but that's actually more detrimental. Listening, hearing God, hearing God speak to us, hearing him speak to us, listening is more healing than actually me sitting down and trying to talk to somebody on the phone, talk to somebody... you know, sit let's talk, let's talk about it. And then everybody got has high blood pressure and their hearts are more injured than it was before they started. And so Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, another good verse. Um, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. So we want to be around wise people. And I'm going to finish up this in, in the next couple of minutes with... Um, Proverbs chapter thirteen verse twenty. I was yesterday. I was thinking about this with our young people. You know, like um, let's just make sure I'm quoting that. Proverbs chapter thirteen verse twenty. That we will be like the people that we hang. He that walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion the companion of fools will be destroyed. You know, I think a lot of young people. What we could teach young people today. Maybe they can't grasp a lot of spiritual things, but we can tell them some things like, look, the people that you hang out with are the kind of people that you're going to become. Hang around people that are smarter than you. Learn something, you know. Get around someone who's going to challenge you. The same thing on the spiritual level that, you know, when I went to Bible school, this is the verse that God gave me. You know, I was 18. I was coming to Bible school. I was just as green as they come. And, uh, you know, and this is the verse that God gave me. He said, hang out with people that are a lot smarter than you are and a lot wiser and you're going to gr- you're going to grow in that wisdom. And this is the this is really wisdom from God. So two things that animate our speech and this is James chapter three our, our, you know somebody said the book of James is like the book of wisdom. Uh, for the New Testament, like the book of Proverbs is for the Old Testament. So if we go to James chapter three, um, I know some preachers like to like to get on this verse and just talk about the tongue and controlling the tongue. But the truth is, is that if you read these verses carefully, and we'll just read them now, that the tongue cannot be controlled. You ever try to control your own tongue? You know, it's interesting. We got teeth there. I think that the location of the teeth and the tongue, and the proximity of the tongue and the teeth are not a mistake by God in our physical construction. That we can kind of bite our tongue, right? Actually, we see we have that. and in... you can't listen when you're speaking. That's right. How many mouths did God give us? One. How many ears? Two. two right? We've all heard that, right? That means to listen twice as much as you speak. So... You should be able to hear two conversations at once, is it? <laughs> James chapter 3, my brethren, let not many of you become pre- uh, teachers, knowing that you shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And that's that verse that we read in Proverbs earlier, that if a man is, spares his words, he's going to be perceived as a wise man. Um, that's really great. If we don't know something, the best thing for us to do is just to study to be quiet, like in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Because then we, don't, then we can learn something and we don't embarrass ourselves. But communication, I, I don't want to just stick on this about being quiet, but um, indeed in verse 3, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we, and, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. My dad used to work at a shipyard, and when I'd go look at a ship, I'd go look at the little rudder. You know, and I think about this verse. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the, fi- the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, etc., etc. But no man can tame the tongue in verse 8. It's it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Take that verse and couple it with um, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. And I want to just... I want us to turn back there, and then we'll go back to James 3, and then we'll finish. Luke chapter 6, um, verse 45. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Um, actually, I got this verse 45, sorry. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And this is the verse I want. This is the part of the verse I want to look at. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So whatever is dominating our heart, whatever is filling our heart, is eventually going to come out of what we are. Sooner or later, we are going to say what we really think, and. We can hide it for a long time, but if there is an issue in our heart that is not resolved by God and His Word, and by counsel, then the tongue—it's going to set the tongue on fire. And there is a um, uh, there's a great book that our our founding pastor wrote many years ago called um, "The Doctrine of Conspiracy," and it's just about how conspiracies start in church, how they how groups get around them, how they get in charged by them, and how they just tear down the church, and how it's really the work of the devil. Out of the heart, the abundance out of the abundance of the heart, his, the mouth speaks. And so, where where is the key for us in our communication? Uh, where do we find the ability to control and to monitor and to make sure that in Ephesians 4:29, what I'm saying is edifying? Where? Where do I get the content and what, where does, how do I monitor the tongue and making sure that, my, as Paul said to the Colossians, that my, my speech would be seasoned with salt? And where does that come from? It comes from right here. It comes from instead of me trying to bridle my tongue and bite my tongue and just say, okay, I'm not going to talk, I'm going to walk away, I'm already in a terrible mood. Like if I'm at this point where I want to say something, and I'm just, wherever I'm at, I mean, I want to give my opinion or something, and I'm already off in my whole attitude, then the problem is not with the tongue at the point. The, the tongue is just a communicator of what's happening in the heart. It's really the heart. And the heart is really the source of where all the trouble is. And I want to I wanna just finish with this, that whatever is filling my heart, whatever is filling the thought processes of my mind, Whatever the level of my meditation is, and you know some people don't like that word, they say it's too mystical for Christianity meditation. well, the Bible tells us to meditate, so I, I, I don't see what the problem is with that meditating on the word, filling my heart with the word I don't know if you guys have this this um, this uh, this um, habit, but when in the morning I go down, I make coffee, I sit down and I just open the word, I read, I just meditate and I just let God stir my heart, warm my heart, pray I just do business with God and I like to do that before anyone gets up in the morning I like to fill my heart with the thoughts of God, like Paul, uh, David said, thy word have I hid in my what? Heart, this is the soil of the soul in the, in the in my heart, this is the this is the catalyst. This is the center of my. Uh, this is the core of my soul. That my heart would be filled with the Word and with the mind of God. And an old Baptist preacher back in the day. Uh, I don't know a lot about him, but I, I, I know that he really had this interesting tradition. He would before he would preach, he would look at a picture of his dad on his desk. The Dad that he never was able to evangelize, and he would look at that picture and say, "God, I want to preach this message as if I was preaching to my dad moments before he would pass before he passed away. He had this ritual of just warming his heart, stirring his heart up, um, uh getting quickened by God, and when when our heart is filled with the thoughts of God and you know a dream, and you know what if you've got a dream with God, don't let you know, maybe God has to tweak it here and there, okay? I mean, you know, I've wanted to go to 17 different countries to be a missionary, and God just, you know, that's great. The, the idea is missions, and that's the thought of God. Where and when and how and with, with who, that's all God's business. That's Proverbs 16, verses 1, 2, and 3. You know, I'm just going to prepare my heart. That's Proverbs 16, verse 1. Prepare my heart and just think with God, like, you know what? I want to have a vision in my life, you know? I don't... And then the devil's going to come at it, and, and as God's tweaking things, don't get discouraged. Don't throw it out with the, don't throw the baby without, with the bathwater. You know, just fill your heart with God. Fill your heart with, you know. Sometimes failure just kind of just makes people think, you know, what? I'm not a candidate. I'm not a candidate for it to be a certain. Well, who said that? Is that God's mind? What's Peter? <laughs> the greatest candidate to be the CEO of the apostles? You know, was he the, the head guy, the, the, the pillar of the apostles, you know, as Paul called him. Did he make mistakes? Yes. Did Paul have to correct him? Yeah, Paul had to correct him in Galatians chapter 2. He had to rebuke him because he was starting to get preferential with the Judaizers and the, and the Gentiles. But you know something? Was Paul God's man? Yeah. I mean, was Peter God's man? Yeah, he was. But was, did he make mistakes? Yeah. Did David make mistakes? Yeah. And I think that that is a good sign to us that that we should never let the devil discourage us because we want to keep ourselves built up. We want to keep our hearts encouraged. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about more later, but, uh, you know, we could say the ten things to communicate to somebody or the ten things to keep in mind when you're talking to somebody. I, want to, I just want to talk about it from a totally subjective point of view right now because... Um, Whatever's in the heart is what I'm gonna is whatever in, is in my heart about people is what I'm gonna is how I'm gonna communicate to them. Um, I think that I read I don't remember who said this, but a study was done. Seven percent, only seven percent of our communication are words. Only seven percent. Thirty-eight percent of our communication is tone of voice, intonation, um, the mood, the way I'm the the. The way it's coming across, that's 38%. The rest, I think it's what, 55% what's left over? Is, is uh, you know, is is, is totally, like, the, is, is all subjective. And if I'm having trouble with communication, I want to just sit down. Uh, it could be, if I want to sit down and just got get God's side about. Like, if I'm struggling with somebody, if I'm in a conflict or if I'm having trouble in a situation... <coughs> or if my boss is driving me crazy, or whatever, I don't know. Uh, I want to just meditate and think about God's thoughts towards that person. I'll just close with a story. Maybe you heard this before, but when I was in Baltimore, um, in the city, I don't know, all of us have been to some pretty interesting post offices, right? Sometimes the post office is a very interesting place, and you go there, and there's a mile like, you know, 17 hours long, and you're standing in line, there's one person there with the, you know, doing whatever they're doing, and and I'm thinking the whole time, like, you know, these people, need they're understaffed. No wonder they're going out of business. You know, like, I'm thinking all these great identifying thoughts, you know, I'm just thinking. And I'm watching them work. And I was like, now, if I was the boss here, I'd be like, I'd be having that person do something different, getting another person in there. I'm just analyzing the whole thing. And, and, and I'm there, you know, and, and, and this lady, she's just really moving slow, you know, and she's just sluggish. And, and it's like maybe 25 minutes and maybe it's like seven, eight people in front of me. And, and people are like getting angry at her. They're just really getting angry at her and they're just saying stuff to her and, you know, and she's just like not saying anything and she's sometimes barking back. And so I'm getting up there and my, I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm like a, I'm not, you know, I'm like a, <laughs> I'm like a crossbow pulled back, you know, high tension ready just to, just to let it go, you know, tell her everything I think about her post office. And the guy was like, well, that's a very interesting spirit you have right now. <laughs> you know, you ever get rebuked by the Holy Spirit? And it's like, well, yeah, well, you know, it's like, well, who do you think you are? You know, like, what are you like, you know, and God God really humbled me. I just got, I came to the lady, and I was just thinking, like, what's going on in this woman's life? And and uh, I said to the woman, she's like, you ever taught, she's like literally slow motion, you know, it's just molasses in her blood. And I said, ma'am, are you... I said, it looks like you're having a hard day today. Are you having a hard day? How are you? You okay? And I remember she stopped and she looked at me and she goes, "This is such a hard day for me." She goes, she goes, "I lo- my best friend died and my I and her funeral's today and I can't be there. I got to work." Mm-hmm. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, you know, like if I had walked up there and and just been my callous mm-hmm. egocentric self mm-hmm. with the things that I needed to get done, my agenda, my task list, then I would have just blasted this lady out of the water, and would have been like James and John, you know what, you know not what spirit you were of, and, and I just began to share with her, you know, and she was doing my thing, you know, I was just being to share with her, you know, like is she a believer, and she was a Christian, she was a born-again Christian, she goes, yep, and I said, you know, you can be sure that she's now in heaven with God, and we talked a little bit, and she's doing my stuff, and People in the line are listening to the conversation. And, uh, and I just said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And she goes, wow, you know what? She goes, you know, she asked me who I was. And I said, well, I'm t- you know, I'm a Christian. I go to Greater Grace down here. And she goes, oh, I know. I heard about your church. I used to listen to your pastor on the radio all the time. And, he, and I heard that he died recently. And I said, yeah. And so she built us up. and she, we got a, I, left that, I left that post office super built up. Then never saw her again. That some had some other crabby person in there, and I said, "I got to start over." But it's just, I think our communication. I think if we think beyond our initial reaction, how things are impacting us, mm-hmm. and just hearing hearing from God, as Ezekiel said, sitting where they sit, um, you know, thinking with God about them. I think that we can be so much more effective people, and maybe just a couple words would be much more powerful than. 17 or 18 paragraphs you know so any questions that we have about this subject you know i kind of spoke long but had a a a, a lot of different things to say any any comments or questions that anyone has anything